I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Tim Lyons. Tim is a 16-year veteran of the New York City Fire Department, uh, currently serving as a lieutenant in the borough of Queens, of Queens, sorry. Um, and until recently he worked as a emergency room RN at a level one trauma center. That's pretty cool. Uh, Tim, I want to just let you, well, first of all, let me say thank you for coming on the podcast. I, I definitely appreciate your time. Yeah, Jason, thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I know you've got, got kids running around just like I do. So it's a, <laughs> finding the time is always the challenge. Yes, sir. Um, so if you would, Tim, why don't you just give us a bit of your background, tell us your story and, and you know, we can then tie it into real estate as, as we uh, move along. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I have a pretty cool story or so I've been told, but, you know, it's just, it's my life, right? So I just think it's normal, but to other people, they're like, wow, like you're a New York City firefighter, you were an ER nurse and now you're in real estate. Like, how does that work? You know, and it's a pretty cool story to tell, but I mean, I love to tell it because it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like a lot of other people's stories. Um, I was just a regular guy, uh, married with three little girls. They're now 10, eight, and uh, two. And I was just working like everybody else, you know, trying to make it happen, pay the bills, go on vacation a couple of times a year um, and just live a nice life. And, you know, I think growing up with um, some humble beginnings, I think shaped my my money mindset and my outlook on life and finances and where I wanted to be and what kind of job I should have. and you know, for a long time, I subscribed to the, you know, go to school, get good grades, get a good job, max out the 401k, pay off your debts, pay off your house as soon as possible. And, you know, one day you'll be able to retire and enjoy life. And I think, you know, that's what I got from my parents. That's what they got from their parents. And, you know, it took me until my mid thirties to kind of be like, well, wait a minute, I'm I'm kind of working a lot. You know, I was working 24 hour shifts in the firehouse. Uh, I had gone back to school uh, while, while being a full-time firefighter, went back to nursing school and um, got my nursing degree and became a, a ER nurse. And I was working 12 hour shifts there. And, you know, before I knew it, a couple of kids later, my wife wanted to stay home for a few years, you know, um, and we, we wanted her to have that time with the kids. I was working 80, 90 hours a week overtime, you know, and I was stuck in that proverbial rat race, that W2 grind. And I just knew there had to be a better way. And I, you know, listen, you know, I love being a New York City firefighter. I have the biggest smile on my face to this day when uh, I, I show up to the firehouse or I'm sitting in traffic driving to the firehouse because I just know that I love that job. Um, but there's been times in my life where I kind of felt a little bit underemployed, you know, as a college graduate, um, you know, we can dive into why I became a fireman. Uh, but you know, there's been times where I thought, you know, I should be, do, and have more. And I think that's when I really got on the personal development, you know, kind of, um, 
uh, bandwagon, if you will, and started listening to some of the personal development greats like Jim Rohn and, um, and the others like him, you know, and reading their books. And then I started getting into podcasts and I was like, wait a minute, there's a whole world out there that I don't even know about. And uh, real estate was one of those things that I kind of just said to myself, you know, one day, uh, one day when I have more information, one day when I have more money, uh, one day I'll get into that. And I actually now know there's a term for that called the arrival fallacy or the destination fallacy. Um, you know, the one day syndrome, you know, one day I'll do this and one day I'll do that. Um, so I, that's really like my background and I'd be more than happy to unpack any piece of that, Jason. What do you think? Yeah, no, that's very cool. And we'll, we'll, there's a bunch of things that I think will be great to talk about, but the first thing, because I've never heard this term before. So the, 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 fall, the arrival fallacy or destination fallacy. So, um, that sounds I mean, I, again, I've never heard that term before. Where did you, where did you get that? What kind of, uh, what's hmm. the meaning behind that? It, it sounds like it, it's something that, yeah, probably a lot of people have. Yeah. I mean, I, now that you put me on the spot, I have no idea where I exactly heard it. And I should probably find that out because you probably I probably use then. it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, maybe, it's maybe your it's original idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you know, like, um, yeah, like the, the arrival fallacy, like, or the destination fallacy, once I get to this place in my life, then I'll be able to do something else, right? And I think a lot of people struggle with that internally, with that internal self-talk of, I'll be happy when, or I'll be satisfied when uh, this happens, or, you know, I, I get to do the X, or I make this amount of sales, or, you know, whatever it might be, whether it's your job, or your family, or your, you know, um, relationships, I think we have a lot of that inside of us. And for me, you know, sometimes you don't know what the self-talk is trying to tell you or, you know, you don't know how to decode it or, you know, and I think when I heard that term, it just really resonated with me in a big way. And I said, you know what, like, I have to stop, you know, waiting for something to happen. No one's coming to rescue me. Nothing's going to just pop out any, you know, and there's nothing that I can manifest that's going to pop out and just, you know, pro provide abundance of riches, you know, when you hear some of these people talk, right? And um, so I decided just to take action. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty conservative guy growing up with, you know, money and finances and uh, taking risk, you know. So I think a lot of the, the barriers to doing something that not a, lot of, not a lot of other people do is that, you know, oh, that could be risky. Like, yeah. you know, I heard about real estate or I heard about house flipping or my uncle Joe got burned one time to so real estate stinks and I, I'd never do that. Or, you know, and there's a lot of limiting beliefs that, you know, that I would have as a, as an individual, but, you know, the people in my circle would also have. So it took me a long time to kind of figure this out. And, um, you know, I love when people ask me the question, you know, what would you do differently if you knew, uh, then what you know now, and I think almost everybody, including myself, says, "I wish I would have started earlier." Yeah, sure. Yeah, that, no, that's that's a very common, I think, sentiment there. That it's just like, and I feel that way. It's like, had, you know, had I known what I know now and started the process like ten years ago, uh, well, I'd be like one of those people that started ten years ago, right? You'd be right. <laughs> all those people are are doing fantastic right now. So it's just kind of a uh, that these, the limiting beliefs, the ideas of, you know, I'll do it someday, uh, you know, when I get that, you're going to get there to this certain point, and then you'll be able to, you know, whatever it is, invest in real estate, whatever the, the then is, but it's 
a really good point because I think, you know, almost everybody does it with some aspect in their life. And, and many of us do it like with multiple aspects, but the financial side of it is that you talked about it before that you do kind of what you're taught or what you're see, what you see, what's, you know, sort of put out there as normal. And then you see everything else as risky, right? Just because mm -hmm. it's not what everybody's doing, but it's, if once you get educated in it, I think, I think you could probably agree that it's probably more risky to keep doing the normal, right? Keep doing what is considered, you know, the nine to five jobs, the, the 401ks, all of that stuff. You're, you're essentially putting your alliance in everything on someone else, right? It's no, yeah. right. There's no, it's, if, if you have a job, it doesn't matter how well it pays. Like if you work for someone else and you get laid off, you don't have a job anymore, you know? So there's a lot to it that you're putting all of that in someone else's hands. And so being educated on it, I think is extremely important. You mentioned we could talk about what uh, led you to become a firefighter. Um, I maybe have a little bit of a guess based on the timing, but uh, what's, what, what, what's the story behind that? Yeah, so um, as a little kid, I just couldn't um, not stare at the fire trucks. I couldn't not look, uh, watch Rescue 911 or any of those types of shows uh, growing up. And when I was eight years old, Santa Claus brought me, or maybe I was nine, I think I was nine years old. Santa Claus brought me a police scanner, which if your listeners don't know what a police scanner is, it's like a little uh, CB looking radio uh, that, you know, you could listen to the local fire station and the local police station and uh, hear their radio transmissions in real time. So I used to, I used to attach it to my bike and I would follow the local fire engines all around town, you know, um, and I could just never shake it. I just loved it. And, um, you know, growing up right outside of New York city, um, in a town called Mineola, which is located on Long Island, a lot of my friends' dads were New York City firefighters, and they seemed to be always home and coaching our teams, and they had a nice little life, you know, and I was always like, oh, man, that sounds really cool, you know, um, you know, so then I go to college, and I had these dreams of being uh, a physician, and I like to joke that I was uh, pre-med for about 15 minutes until I joined a fraternity, and, um, you know, the rest is history on that one, but, you know, 9-11 happened when I was um, in college. And um, I think it hit home, you know, because I just knew that a lot of people, you know, were going to be affected. Um, and I wasn't sure to what extent, you know, I wasn't sure whose mom and dad worked where or brother and sister worked where, but I just knew being away at school that, you know, this was going to not be good. And, um, you know, I have friends who lost parents, uh, friends who lost siblings, cousins, um, you know, and it was really bad. And uh, then came word that my uncle Al, who was a captain in the New York City Fire Department, was uh, actually buried under Terror 2 when it came down. And he was actually deemed one of the last people to be pulled out alive. Uh, spent several weeks in the ICU across the river at Jersey City Medical Center, and he's still alive to this day. But, um, you know, that, that, that week after 9-11 happened and being far from home and I just made a decision. I'm like, I'm going to be a New York City fireman. I mean, I just watched the news for like a week straight and I saw these guys walking into the building, walking up the stairs and attempting to go put this fire out. Like they weren't even like Gross. second even guessing, you know, they just said, oh, look at that. That's a crazy fire. Let's go put it out. 
So um, I think all that kind of really hit home for me. And um, even though I graduated college, I just really was focused on becoming a New York City fireman. So two weeks after graduation, I was in the academy and, you know, as they say, the rest is history. Uh, so that was my story about being a, a New York City firefighter. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, true. Uh, yeah. True heroes. I mean, it was, <laughs> I, I'm sure that that inspired many people at that time to, you know, want to be a fire, firefighter, I guess, wherever, but yeah, particularly New York City is, is uh, just held in such high esteem after 9-11. So it was very uh, commendable. Um, when, so I guess in, in your journey, when did you really start to kind of steer towards real estate? What, how did you get started and, and kind of go down that road? Yeah. I mean, for, for as long as I can remember, like people around me that had money or had means or had wealth or appeared to have wealth, um, they were somehow connected to real estate right? Either they fixed and flipped homes or they owned, uh, you know, some sort of real estate, they owned a building, they owned a commercial property. And I remember as a kid, you know, cause we didn't have uh, a ton of money growing up. Um, I just remember saying to myself, man, I'm going to do real estate one day, you know, like look at this guy, he's got the Lexus or the Mercedes, whatever. Um, but then like life got in the way and went to college, became a fireman and, but I never really like let it go. Like I, I, you know, I started reading the Wall Street Journal every day in college and that kind of habit persisted after college. And I kind of became a, a personal finance buff, you know, reading personal finance books. And, you know, it was kind of like the same, the same ty type of topics, right? Have six months of emergency funding, you know, max out your 401k, uh, get some mutual funds, you know, um, keep it real simple, conservative, you know? And no one really talked about real estate. And it, would, it also seemed at the same time, though, that, you know, I needed like a PhD to do real estate. I was just confused by it. Like, it just seemed like unattainable. I never thought I would have the, the money to do it. And part of that is I, I thought that I had to do it in New York. Like, and I live, you know, in the, in the greater New York City area. So the home prices are outrageous, right? So when when you talk about the 1% rule, you know, the purchase price versus the gross rents of a property, uh, you know, people were used, you know, could, could achieve that as little as a couple of years ago. Um, that was not even close, you know, in my, in my area. And the people who would buy, you know, properties would some, a lot of times just buy them in the hopes that they'd look like a hero in five, 10, 15, 20 years you know, uh, when it appreciated. But in the meantime, they'd be paying maybe five to $1,500 a month out of pocket just to have that property, even though it was rented out, you know? So like, I, I did, really didn't understand that it was possible to invest out of state or in syndications or note investing or um, any of that stuff. I just never knew it existed. So, you know, when I finally decided to read a book that I'm sure a lot of your listeners know about, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, it had sat, this book had sat in my firehouse overnight bag for over a year and I never read it. Um, and summer of 19, July of 19, I'm on a family vacation in the Outer Banks, North Carolina. And I read it and I couldn't put it down. It took me two days and I just like flew through that book and my kids were hanging on top of me. I'm building a sandcastle with, with one hand and had the book in the other. Like I just literally couldn't put it down because I felt like the, the lights were turned on, the curtain was raised and I could see for the first time, like it was crazy. I just, that's how powerful that book was. 
And I remember telling my wife on the beach that day, I said, babe, I said, I'm going to be a real estate investor, you know, and she, she knows that I'm very, you know, if I put my mind to something, I'm going to go do it. You know, she had watched me go through nursing school. She has watched me do all these things, study for Lieutenant, you know, everything. So um, she said, all right, Tim, that sounds great. You know, let me know how that works. You know, I'll, I'll support you, you know? Well, four months later, I was closing on a three family property and that was my first rental um, that I self-managed. Um, and, you know, I'm not a particularly handy guy, but I kind of figured it out along the way and rehabbed one of the units. We put siding and roof on the house, or I should say I paid somebody to put siding and a roof on the house. Yeah. I was like, you and did that and you're not handy. That's, that's, no, impressive. no, no. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and within a few months, like we had the proof of concept, right? We had the cash flow coming in. It was fully rented. Um, and we did a little better on our taxes. And my wife's like, wow, like this is going to work. You know, let's go buy 30 of these things, you know? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what I realized very quickly, I kind of, and I'm glad I realized it, you know, that quickly was that buying a hundred to 110 year old wood frame structures um, may not be the most scalable or smart process, right? Because I was going to be buying something each and every time. Uh, and I wanted to buy the three or the fourplex because of the scalability, right? If you buy a single family rental and somebody moves out, well, then you're on the hook until you get another renter in there. Um, the three family gave me that comfort knowing that if one or two people moved out, I'd still be able to maintain that property without sweating, right? Um, but buying the deferred maintenance disaster uh, one after the other just didn't, it wasn't enticing. It didn't, didn't excite me. So I had been hearing about the multifamily um, investing and on podcasts and reading books about it. And I was very intrigued, but I was a little bit nervous. Like I didn't understand the language, cap rates, NOI, yeah. profit and loss statements. You know, I just, it's, it felt like it was something that, you know, some Wall Street private equity guy would, would be better suited uh, to do versus Tim the fireman, Tim the ER nurse, you know. Um, but once I was, once I became committed to the process about learning commercial real estate, learning multifamily. Uh, I went out and I got a coach and a mentor and, um, you know, that really moved the needle and collapsed timeframes in a big, big way. Um, it was just learning the language. It was just like learning any, any, any other language and networking and, and surrounding yourself with, uh, with great people. And that's what I did. And by doing that, I was able to, you know, get into a 43 unit, uh, property in Pennsylvania, um, very quickly, you know, within six months of being kind of mentored. And, you know, as they say, the law of the first deal kicks in and very quickly two became three and three became six and six is now I think 11. Um, so yeah, I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I, I mean, I think that the, I mean, a couple of things you did that are so important and, and seem like in hindsight obvious, but I think what a lot of people miss is, is you, you did something right? You took action, you went and you got, you decided you were going to do this. You bought three family. You realize that's not scalable, but at least it's a start and you did something and then, you know, kind of moved on from there. So I think the, the, the taking action piece and the, and the, and the love, the first deal is obviously, I think something that gets, you know, sort of talked about a lot, but it's just, it maybe sounds like a cliche, but it's so true. It's like you do one deal, one of these bigger deals, and you get it closed, and then suddenly everybody believes that you can do it. So it's it, you go from being really needing someone to take a chance on you to being like a proven commodity, and now it's like, sure, what you know, <laughs> here's a bunch of deals for you to look at, and you can you know kind of go through it. 
without as much of a as much trepidation. So um, now you know you're you're well along. Uh, what do you? I guess within your company, what, what's your focus? What do you like to do? And you know, there's a lot to there's a lot of different hats to wear in syndication. But what do you, what is your specific role? Or are you kind of still doing it all? What 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 do you enjoy? Yeah. So we and when I say we, it's my brother Greg and I. We are the uh, principals of Cityside Capital. Um, we very quickly realized that commercial real estate was going to be a team sport. Um, we had heard that term. Uh, bunch of times but i guess until you're actually around the people doing it right. you really you really understand that it is, it is a team sport so uh living in, in new york i wasn't going to be moving my family um to one of these hot markets in texas or arizona or florida uh, and neither was he so we weren't going to be boots on the ground and we were brand new so i don't think anybody's going to be trusting our underwriting for a little bit and um we didn't exactly have the asset management skills either uh, but we were learning and we were surrounded by great people doing it. Uh, but what we could do, which we didn't know that we could do, is that we could raise capital. So when we got into our first uh, deal with our uh, my mentor, uh, you know, he, I, you know, I got a great behind the scenes look on how syndication works. And I didn't even know what syndication really was. I mean, I was looking to buy a six or a 12 unit property with my dad and my brothers and maybe a friend. Uh, but when I found out what syndication was and I got a front row seat, I was blown away. And at the end of the process, my coach was uh, asking me, you know, Tim, could you, you want to give raising capital a shot? You know, because he was trying to push me out of my comfort zone. And I said, well, Chris, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know if I can raise five bucks, man. I'm, I'm, I can't commit to anything. I mean, I don't even, don't even like, don't wait for me basically, you know? <laughs> and you know, he said, well, give it a shot, you know, talk to your friends and family and whatever. So, you know, the thing that was holding me back the most was that I was committed to the process. I was educated at that point. I understood the whole thing, but you know, the people around me didn't, and they didn't also know me as Tim, the real estate investor. They knew me as Tim, the fireman, Tim, the ER nurse. And that was my identity. And that was, that was a big thing that kind of held me back in the beginning was that I, I wasn't able to step into that new identity of now I'm a real estate investor and I have a really good opportunity, um, potential, potentially good opportunity for my friends and family to be involved. And I didn't know how to communicate that. So, I mean, what I did was in the beginning, I got a bunch of emails out to people, invited them onto the webinar and, you know, ended up raising $150,000 for that first deal. Um, and then Greg and I invested ourselves and, um, you know, that deal was going great still. And I think the people that came with us have now gone into several deals on that, um, after that first one, but, um, and then like, just like anything else, like it spreads, right. The word of mouth spreads, Hey, Tim and Greg are doing this. This is what I'm doing. Uh, then we obviously got a website and we started a company and we started posting on social media, because as we got into this, we had to really step into that new role and to, and that new identity. And because we did that, our growth has just been, you know, explosive. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, that's a really great point about, you know, sort of reestablishing your identity. Are you still uh, working as a firefighter and a nurse or have you kind of stepped away from that? No. So when I got into this real estate game, um, my wife very quickly was like, dude, two, two jobs is like a lot, uh, but three is too many. 
So, and I tended to agree. So, um, so I retired from being a nurse, um, February of 2020, right before COVID. Well, that's maybe, maybe a good time to, to not be dealing with that. Um, but I mean, back to the identity piece, because I think it's, it's something that a lot of people starting out struggle with it. And you, you mentioned that the, you know, you weren't a, you weren't a wall street banker. You're not, you know, hedge fund manager, you know, VC capital, like, most people aren't right and and most of the people that at least i've talked to on the podcast or heard on other people's podcasts they don't they don't come from that background it's it's interesting that it seems like a lot of the people that are syndicating are engineers doctors firefighters like like service industry type people and it's tech a lot of tech people i mean there's it's mm-hmm. it's come there's quite a diverse background and so you do really have to establish, you know, sort of a new identity. And I find the hardest, the hardest time I have with raising capital, the biggest, like at least mental hurdle for me is actually talking to like close friends and family. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I find that the, that's where I get nervous, right? My, my family that's known me forever. And it's like, uh, you wanted to be a vet when you were a kid. What are you doing now? Like you've went, you went to school and trained for forever. What, why are you doing this? And it's like, I just, and they're not saying that I'm just mostly saying in my head, like, oh, they're not going to listen to me about this. And so I just, uh, yes. I, I don't know if you ran into the same thing, like, like the guys that you worked with at the firehouse, were they kind of receptive or, or how did you, how did you approach that? I, I guess, I, cause I think, you know, it, it's, I'm, I'm working through it myself too, but I do think that's a thing that probably anyone starting out and raising capital, that's a, that's a big deal, right? Cause you're not like nobody comes out of high school, and, you know, I'm, I'm Jason, the capital raiser. That's just doesn't seem to be right. a thing. So I think that's a good, any tips, tricks, you know, sort of how you addressed that, that, that could help our listeners would be awesome. So I don't know that you want to hear about the firehouse that much because <laughs> Those guys call me Lieutenant Madoff and how they want to know how my Ponzi scheme's going. So, um, because, you know, they're, they're a bunch of great guys and girls. Um, and we have a, a lot of fun together, a lot of busting chops. Um, but aside from all that, uh, you know, joking around, they all know what I'm doing now and they're all into it. They want to know more about it. And I think I've, you know, paved the way for other people to kind of say, look, you know, I, you know, a lot of firefighters have second careers, you know, because of our, our work schedule. And a lot of them do service type work, you know, contractors, roofers, plumbers, electricians, stuff like that. Um, but other guys are nurses and PAs and nurse practitioners and uh, respiratory therapists and small business owners, you know, so I think we're all in the same group. And I think what the what the best part about no matter what you're doing out there is that I think we all have a shared vision of what we want in life, right? We want more time freedom. We want more financial freedom. We want to be able to live where we want to live. We want to be able to associate and have relationships with whoever we want to have that with. And we want to have impact on people's lives, you know, not only our own, but we want to have impact on other people's lives. Um, so whether we can, you know, identify that as clearly as, as I just did or, or not, I think we all kind of feel that way. So when you can connect with people on that kind of level, it doesn't really matter what you do for a living because you can connect the dots uh, very easily for people. And that's what, that's kind of what I've done with capital raising. You know, um, 
you know, my, I, if you listen to some of my first calls, you'd probably cringe. I know I would cringe because I was probably spewing out cash on cash returns and equity multiples and internal rate, rates of return and blah, 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 blah. And people were probably like, oh my God, what's this guy talking about? Yeah. But when you can invite somebody into a story, into a journey of real estate investing from a W-2 to an entrepreneur and, and really talk about those financial freedom, time freedom, you know, geographical freedom, relationship freedom, and kind of build out that roadmap for them of what's possible and what's out there and what the vehicle of real estate can do for you. It's super powerful. And I mean, that's kind of been my, you know, that would be my tip or trick for anybody who's out there, you know, listening, who wants to raise capital or is doing it for the first time. Um, that's been, that's been very powerful for me. Yeah. I actually think that's a great point. And I, it's something that I think as you go through that whole education piece, right, you figured out, okay, this is what I want to do. You dug in, you, you know, read the books, listened to the podcast, got a mentor. You so now you know, and it's in order to sort of talk to the brokers and talk to other people in the business. It that everybody says like you need to know the language. You need to you need to speak to you know the, the to get the brokers to take you seriously. You need to know what you're talking about, which is true. But the flip side to that, and the point you just brought up is is a really great one. In that most of the people you're talking to and talking to about these opportunities for them to invest. That's not how they want to talk. They, they want to know, okay, why, why is Tim who, you know, great firefighter, great nurse, why is he doing this? Why would he, why would you take the chance? And which is, I think what most people think, why are you taking this risk and sort of, you know, flipping your, your story? But then I, you know, so you get those questions and now I'm, I don't know, I don't know if you've, you know, sort of felt the same, but I, I go through those conversations and I'm almost like, it almost breaks my heart when I hear people with the objections and how they're, you know, how risky it is, they think it is and all of this. And I'm like, it's really not like what we were doing before was risky. And it's just, you want, now you want to help them and you feel like you found the way to help them. And so you're right. Like just putting that out in the correct story form is, is so, so important. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And the more I'm doing this and, you know, like I'm still stepping into my identity as a real estate investor, as a connector of people and and opportunities. But, you know, what's risky um, during COVID? Uh, there's plenty of physicians who are my friends who are, are now have invested with me. And I hear the same story every time I talk to one that they couldn't do procedures in their surgical centers or at the hospital. Um, so whether they were orthopedics or they were gastrointestinal, you know, doctors or uh, plastic surgeons, or if they were even general surgeons, right? They weren't doing all the procedures and that's where they make their money, right? Yeah. So they've spent all this time in college and medical school and residency and, you know, um, fellowships and then digging themselves out of 300 or $400,000 of, of, of student loans and, and everything else. And now their whole existence is based upon one leg that's holding up their life, right? That one leg holding up the, I always talk about the marble tabletop. You know, if you're, if you're a father, if you're a mother and you have a, and you're a high earner, right? You know, do you want to have just one leg, that income stream, one income stream holding up that marble tabletop that's, you know, feeding your family and, and housing, you know, your family and stuff like that? Or do you want to have multiple streams of income on a proven asset class that's been around for literally millennia 
you know, and it's just, you know, it's mind boggling to you and I, but for the uninitiated, it, it, it's a process. And that's what I spend most of my time, you know, putting out content, you know, for beginners, you know, blog posts are, are focused on beginners, my videos, beginners, the new podcast I just launched. That's for, you know, for people who are following the footsteps that I just kind of, you know, of the journey that I just started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, phenomenal points. It's, the the marble tables i mean it's and it's something that i i mean like i didn't think about it i mean i didn't think about it till a couple of years ago it, it it was like and but you get into that that almost life cycle where it's like okay i you know i have a wife i have kids my wife stays home with the kids so now it's like now you you really do have just that one leg like if all you have is a job you have that one leg of the table you don't even have necessarily a second like person that can take to, is bringing in income. It's like really, really all on you. And so you're, you'll get into the cycle that you talked about where you had, you know, you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week because almost you're in this panic mode of I've got to make enough money to take care of my family and like try to try to have some be there also be some good like some vacations and stuff like that and it's just yes uh it it, it definitely you get stuck in that that i don't know the rat race that you know kind of cycle that's hard to get out of and you really do have to change mindset and you really do have to realize where the opportunities lie and and i think uh in my opinion like the 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 rules behind syndication actually make it hard for people to get involved you know where, where you can't in, in a lot of instances, you have to be an accredited investor and things like that. But it's it's it, it, it's almost like they limit the the opportunities for people. But I think you know that's I actually like the five hundred six B a lot because then you can bring in you know other people that that maybe aren't already wealthy and help them get get to the point yes. where they can at least be comfortable and and maybe wealthy someday. So um, yeah, I mean, all really really great points, and I think uh, your your tips on you know, kind of beginning capital raising space. It's it's all about just sharing your story and and being convicted. I think believing it in yourself. You know, believing that mm -hmm. that this is the way to go. So super cool, um, Tim. Let me switch here. You know, so I don't keep you all night long. But uh, want to ask you some of the questions that I ask each guest. And the first one is related to the name of the show, being know your why. And so, what is your why, Tim? What what drives you? What what really makes you? Uh, you know, kind of keep pushing? Oh, man, this is a big question, right? Because this is what everything is predicated upon. So um, it's certainly a fluid, it's almost like a fluid document that's floating around yep. my head. But, yep. um, you know, I go back to it, you know, I write down my goals and my vision and all that stuff. But really, the big why is, you know, it's those five things I talked about those, you know, those five freedoms. And I'm, I'm borrowing that from a coach that I have been coaching with uh, for the better part of last year. Um, you know, the time freedom, the financial freedom, the geographical freedom to live and, and go wherever you, you know, want to, and uh, the relationship freedom to be surrounded by people that are going to empower you and support you and kind of let go of those toxic uh, relationships and people that, you know, maybe not be, who aren't as supportive. And, um, you know, having that impact, like I just really have um, been focused on 
financial education, you know, mindset, success, and and spreading the word and, um, you know, because that's what I'm passionate about. I want to have an impact on people's lives. And, you know, there's so much that I want to tell people. And we haven't even touched on taxes. I mean, I've been a, a tax fan now. Like I read tax books. Like I never thought that would happen. Yeah, me too. Um, tax podcasts. Right? Oh, tax, like, who tax am podcasts. I? Yeah, it's amazing. Right. You know, so like one door has always opened up to another, but my why is really like those, it's applying, it's the application of those five freedoms that I'm just so passionate about and, and bring that to my, my family and my friends and being able to be, you know, live intentionally. Um, and, you know, I think I was just for the first 30 something years of my life, just kind of going through the motions and, you know, it's, it's a big regret of mine, you know, because we only have a very uh, finite amount of uh, time on this planet to do all this stuff. And, you know, I'll be 40 next, uh, I'll be 40 this year. And it sounds a little bit crazy to say that. Um, but I'm just so happy that I'm, uh, that I've turned it around and that I've, you know, begun to live more in, in a more intentional life with the big why kind of as my, as my beacon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, people talk a lot about, you know, financial freedom or time freedom. That's a, a big topic on, on, well, this and it, probably every podcast, but actually the, the five, the other ones that you talked about. I mean, that's, that's, I like that summary of it. I like that sort of encompassing all parts of your life. That's, that's very cool to kind of break it down that way. Cause obviously they're all important. Um, Tim, tell us something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge, something that is maybe uh, a hobby or a special skill that you have. Um, I know you can't tell it by my, by my physique, but I, I've been going to CrossFit for a couple of years. Um, I just love the community aspect of it and, you know, just moving my body and doing Olympic weightlifting sometimes. And uh, so, yeah, I do that. My wife and I do that. Uh, it's kind of like one of our things that we like to do together. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I've never done CrossFit, but I, I mean, I, I like exercise. So I think it's uh, all of that sort of falls together. It's yeah. It's cool. fun. Yeah. Um, uh, people hear this, they want to reach out to you. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, so the best way would, to connect with me would be through uh, my, my new podcast called The Passive Income Brothers. Uh, me and my brother just chatting uh, with some of these, you know, people like ourselves just coming on the journey. And then uh, if you want to chat about real estate investing or just want to hop on a call, um, just head on over to citysidecap.com. Uh, that's the website for our company, our company, Cityside Capital, and uh, we can connect there. Awesome. Okay, and we'll put all that in the show notes. Final question, Tim, what is a piece of advice that you would give to someone who's, you know, starting out maybe a, a couple of years behind you and, and just starting the journey? What would you tell them? Um, I would say, you know, get educated and then take action, right? Uh, one of my mentors, Gino Barbaro, that's his equation. It sounds so simplistic and elementary education times accent, action will lead to your results. Um, and you know, if we needed a PhD, every time we needed to make a decision, then nobody would ever do anything. So just get out there, get educated and take action. Yeah. Yeah. It makes total sense. You just, you just got to start. Um, well, this has been great, Tim. I, I really appreciate it. I love, uh, I love sort of all the, I think we talked a lot about mindset as much as, uh, as much as real estate, which is kind of one of my favorite topics. And I think incredibly important, especially when you're shifting that you know, as you talked about your identity, you know, what, what, what do I have to do to believe that I'm, that I am now this new, you know, new identity and, and you can stay in both roles, but you have to, you have to believe in, you know, that second, that second part. So 
thank you so much for coming on the show. Love it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, we will sign out. Uh, have a great day, everyone. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.